welcome to our new fall series called Words Create Worlds. Words Create Worlds. There's little doubt in my mind that domino lovers are going to immediately roll their eyes on the next thing that I'm about to say. You may even do some hating for a few moments. I think the game of dominoes is lame. It's even borderline dumb. I don't know if you've ever played it. I've only ever played it once or twice in my life, and that was just to convince that my in-laws, that I was a good guy, that I would play a game of dominoes when I was dating their daughter. It's a dumb game. But not all is lost. There is an upside to dominoes, so if you think that dominoes is great, maybe I'll have some redeemingness or have a redeeming moment in your eyes by saying that dominoes is kind of cool if you can line them up in a long line, and you press the first one, and what happens? The rest follows. I love that side of dominoes, that you can line them up, you can put them under things and over things, and you can put them from one room to the next room, and then you just hit one domino, and literally hundreds and thousands and sometimes millions of dominoes have fallen from the pushing of one domino itself. In 1983, Lauren Whitehead published a research article concerning he called the domino effect. Now, just in case you're wondering this morning, people will literally study anything these days. He studied dominoes and the domino effect. And Whitehead discovered that a domino is capable of knocking over another domino one and a half times its size. So a two-inch domino, in theory, can topple over a three-inch domino, and a three-inch domino can topple over a four-and-a-half-inch domino, and a four-and-a-half-inch domino can topple over, well, you get the point, right? According to Whitehead, by the time that you get to the 18th domino, you could knock over the Leaning Tower of Pisa, but that wouldn't be fair because the Leaning Tower of Pisa is already leaning, right? By the 23rd domino, you could knock over the Eiffel Tower in Paris. And by the time you reach the 29th domino, you could take down the Empire State Building in New York City. In the realm of mathematics, there are two types of progression. There's what they call the linear, and there's what they call the geometric. The linear and the geometric. Linear progression is 2 plus 2 equals what? 4. That's linear. 2 plus 2 equals 4. But in the geometric, geometric progression is compound doubling. 2 times 2 equals what? 4. And 4 times 4 equals not 8. It equals 16. And 16 times 16 equals 32. And 32 times 32 equals, you get the point. It just keeps compounding and getting larger and larger and greater. By the, if you take 30 linear steps... You're 90 feet from where you started. But if you take 30 geometric steps, you've circled the earth 26 times. Some of you may be wondering this morning, what has happened to Pastor Prime after his sabbatical? <laughs> Don't worry, I didn't lose my marbles. In the context of our new series, I propose this, that words are geometric, not linear. Words are geometric, not linear. Every word that you speak has the potential for a geometric domino reaction that can literally touch the lives of hundreds of thousands of millions of people. 
One word could set off a chain reaction. One word could be extremely destructive for hundreds of lives. But on the other hand, one word could become extremely positive and encouraging and helpful to hundreds of lives as well. The central idea as we launch this new series is laser-focused this morning, that we must be really, really aware of the words that we speak. We must be extremely careful of the words that we speak because they have a geometric nature to them. There is always a domino effect to words that you use in communicating with other people. Solomon offers this insight into the power of words when he writes in Proverbs 18, 20, and 21. He said, wise words satisfy like a good meal. We'll look at this in just a few moments. The right words bring what, church? Satisfaction. Then he goes on to say this, the tongue can bring, say it with me, death or life. So the tongue can bring either death or life, and sometimes both. Those who t- love to talk will reap the what? Consequences. I'm not picking on you if you like to talk this morning, but that is what the Bible says, that if you love to talk, you will reap the consequences. King Solomon made it very clear to everyone Every one of us needs to recognize the power of words. I don't think we understand the power that there is in words this morning. I don't, maybe we do understand. Maybe I'm not giving you the benefit of the dope. Maybe I'm not giving society the benefit of the dope. Maybe we do know the power of words. And if we do know the power of words and how we're misusing them and abusing them to destroy people's lives, that's not cool. I would much rather believe you're doing it out of ignorance than intentionality. If you reflect on your lifetime memories, there is no doubt a teacher, a parent, a sibling, a friend, a coach, a grandparent, there is someone in your past who graciously spoke life-giving words to your life. Words that you still remember to this day. Words that put wind in your sails. Words like, I believe in you. Marjorie Ingall wrote a book on how Jewish mothers have historically prized education, spirituality, and encouragement to their children. Those are the three foundational pieces that she writes that all Jewish parents, especially Jewish mothers, they use in bringing up their children. They they focus on education, they focus on spirituality, and they focus on encouragement. A Jewish mother will constantly tell her children, I believe in you, and you can do anything you want to do. I believe in you. Ingalls writes, Jewish parenting methods are responsible for the outsized success of the Jewish people. Well, she may be partially right this morning. We won't go down that road. But she says the outsized um, methods are responsible for the success of the Jewish people, those three core values of bringing up a child in a Jewish home. It is education, it is spirituality, and it is encouragement. And to support her statement, she gave some surprising statistics. She said that despite Jewish people only making up 1% of the world's population, 1% of the world's population, Jews have comprised of 170 of the 850 at the time of the, she was writing this book, Winners of the Nobel Peace Prize. She said 20% of all Ivy League university students are Jewish. 
and 37% of Academy Award-winning directors in Hollywood are Jewish. She went on and on and on to give statistic after statistic in this book. What was Marjorie Ingall communicating? I believe she was communicating this very core principle. Words create worlds of either life or death. Words create worlds of either life or death, of success or failure in your life and in the lives of other people. For some of us, we can reach back and remember life-giving moments where somebody spoke to us and said, I believe in you. You can do anything that you set your mind to. You are going to be great. Um, God has a great plan for your life. We can remember the moment, the, the, the weather outside, the place that we were at when somebody spoke those life-giving words to us. But for some of us in this room and watching online this morning, we can go back in the hard drive of our memories and remember some very hurtful and destructive words that mutilated our mind and heart. Toxic words spoken 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 plus years ago that despite the passing of time, we still remember the place, the moment, those poisonous words were spoken into our life. Words like, you are no good for nothing. I hate you. You're such a loser. I wish you were never born. And so on and so on. I remember my father telling this story. He told it over and over again when I was growing up. He said there was a school teacher growing up in his one-room schoolhouse that would tell him constantly, Earl, you will never amount to anything. The only thing that you will ever do in life is dig ditches. Toxic words. You know what toxic? Uh, toxic words breeds, it breeds more toxic words. So my father's last day of his life in school, he said to that school teacher, there's only one ditch I'd like to dig, and that's the one that you're going to be in. <laughs> it just has a way of keep going. You see the domino effect? Toxic words and statements are not easy to overcome. They are dark and evil and destructive. In fact, more people would be living destructive and devastating lives today if it wasn't but for the grace of God and the leading of His Holy Spirit. Allowing countless individuals the power to overcome those life-draining, evil words that have been spoken into your life. Words from our past have a domino effect what domino effect do they have? Well, they affect us in the present, and they affect us into the future. Let me ask you a question or two this morning. They're honest questions. Are you someone who is struggling with past or present negative words that have been spoken into your life? Are you struggling with emotions of feeling useless and unloved and not valuable and a waste of airspace in this world because someone spoke vile words into your life? Is your past and the words that were spoken in your past affecting how you live in the current and in the present world and maybe even the future world? If there ever was a time in the history of mankind, the season is now on understanding the incredible power of words and the worlds that they create. Perhaps a good beginning place for our series is with this question right here. How does anyone navigate the world of words? How does anyone navigate the world of words? It's a great question. 
Well, first let me suggest this profound step when using words. When you use words, I'm suggesting you do this. Choose your words wisely. Isn't that profound? I'm sure you've heard that before. Choose your words wisely. In a world that has a low demonstration of grace and love, it is extremely important that we become instruments of change by choosing our words wisely as we speak and communicate to other people. There is an incredible opportunity in this dark world to speak words that are words of life and words of blessing and hope and encouragement into people's lives. Imagine what would happen if we went around choosing to speak words of hope rather than words of death. For one week, if you just tried that, you went around speaking words of hope rather than words of death or words of destruction. You just went around speaking words of life and, and, and hope to people. The domino effect would be world-changing, would it not? I find in North American culture we have a victim mentality where we are the victim and someone else needs to fix the problem. When you translate that into the, into the philosophy of uh, the world of words, it means that we are hoping that someone else fixes society's problems with their words, not ours. In other words, it is not our responsibility. Anyone but me is responsible. We don't even have to feel responsible for our own words. So we don't feel responsible for the world's mess, and we don't even feel responsible for our own words that we speak. We want somebody else to be responsible for the mess that the world is in, and we want someone else to be responsible for the words that we're even speaking. Well, it wasn't my fault. They made me say those words. Here's the tough truth about the world of words. Change begins not with someone else. Change begins with each and every one of us. Amen? It starts with me. And it starts with you. And it starts with the person next to you. And it starts with the person who's watching online this morning. Every one of us must choose wisely the right words which will then have a domino effect in the world that we live in. The Bible is full of examples. In Genesis chapter 1, in the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis 1, God spoke what? Words. And a world was created. And an entire universe was created. In fact, if you go back to Genesis chapter 1, you'll discover that God spoke nine times in Genesis 1, creating worlds in the universe. In the beginning, God spoke, let there be light. And there was light. And then God said, God used words. He spoke. He said, let the, the water and the, and the land separate. Let the, then he, God spoke, let there be stars. Let there be night. Let there be day. God spoke. He spoke nine times in Genesis chapter 1. And God chose his words wisely. And as he wisely chose his words, a domino effect happened. And what happened? We're here today. You are here today and I'm here today because God chose his words wisely. And immediately after God spoke nine times, it's a lot of speaking. And a lot happened in those nine times that he spoke in Genesis chapter 1. This is what we find in Genesis chapter 1, verse 31. Then God looked over all that he had made by the words that he had spoke, and he saw that it was what, church? It wasn't just good. It was what, church? It was very good. 
God shows us that choosing our words wisely has the potential to be what? Good? No, it has the potential to be very good in the world that we live in. With God's help, if we choose our words wisely, there will be a domino effect that will be very good for us and very good for our, for our spouses and very good for our children and very good for the world that we live in. In the New Testament, we read about Jesus being baptized by John the Baptist. And, and it's this beautiful scene where Jesus is baptized and there is this dove that's flying over the head of Jesus. And then we find that God speaks in an audible voice from the sky. And this is what God said. This is my dearly loved son. Say it with me. Who brings me great joy. Notice what God didn't say, and notice what God did say. God chose wisely the right words. This is my son that I love very much, who brings me great joy. If God thought it was wise to speak a blessing over his perfect, sinless son, think about this for a moment. If God thought it was wise to speak from heaven in that moment when John the Baptist is baptizing the Son of God, Jesus, this is my loved Son who brings me great joy. If God felt it necessary and wise to speak those words over His perfect sinless Son, how much more important is it not for us to speak life to individuals who are broken and sinful and filled with shame and feeling unloved and useless. Isn't it even greater? We must discipline ourselves to choose our words wisely because it has a domino effect in our life and in the lives of other people. Someone once said this, Lord, help me communicate tender words today, for I may have to eat them tomorrow. Amen? If you were to eat your words tomorrow from the words that you were spoke today, would they be tasty? Or would they be sour and vile in your mouth? Choose your words wisely. Life depends on it. Your life and the lives of other people around you. By a slip of the tongue, an air traffic controller at Charles de Gaulle Airport in Paris saw two planes come, with three, come within 300 feet of each of each other or almost colliding together in July 2020. It was a United Airlines flight from Newark, New Jersey that was approaching the land and an easy jet that was, pre was preparing to take off from Malaga, Spain. And the Newark flight was assigned to runway 09L, but the uh, easy jet flight was to take off from 09R. And due to the unfortunate slip of a tongue from the air traffic controller, the controller gave clearance to the Newark flight to land on 09R instead of 09L. And adding to the slip of the tongue, he couldn't see the runway because of some equipment malfunctioning. Eventually, the Malaga flight asked why the Newark plane was cleared to land on their runway and warned of an impending collision. The controller instructed the Newark plane to abort their landing and the pilot to ascend immediately. And by the time that the pilot engaged the evasive maneuver, the two jets 
were simply 300 feet apart. That would be six times the width of this room. That's a little too close. Many of us have unwisely used words that has resulted in worlds colliding. And it was destructive. I encourage you to stop and think and pray before you speak. To seek the Holy Spirit's help to speak wise words that bring life rather than death to your life and to the lives of other people. I love this popular guide on how to react or speak when speaking. It's called Think. It's been around for many, many years. Maybe you've seen it before, but it's five questions. And before you speak, think. And here's what you should do as you're thinking. You should, what am I, is what I'm speaking true? Is what I'm about to say, the words that I'm about to share with this person, are they true? Two is, is what I'm speaking helpful? Will it help this person? Will it help me? Will it help the situation? Is what I'm speaking inspiring? And then the fourth question you should ask yourself in the think is what I'm speaking necessary? Do I really need to share this? Will this be beneficial and helpful? Or will this only be destructive and bring uh, harm to the person's life and to our relationship? And, and finally, of the think, is what I'm speaking kind? Is what I'm saying truthful? Is what I'm saying helpful? Is what I'm saying inspiring? Is what I'm saying necessary? And is what I'm saying kind? Will you commit to think before you speak? Will you do it? That before you even say a word, that you think five questions. Is what I'm about to say truthful? Is what I'm about to say helpful? Is what I'm about to say inspiring? Is what I'm about to say necessary? And is what I'm about to share kind to the person who's going to receive this? Will you commit to choosing your words wisely? How do we navigate the word world of words? Well, first of all, you choose your words wisely. Second of all, choose words that create, which we've already touched on already, wor worlds of blessing. Choose words that create worlds of blessing. Remember what King Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 20? He said, wise words satisfy like a good meal. When's the last time you had a good meal? And how did it make you feel? I can remember some good meals. You pull away from the table and you kind of loosen up your belt a little bit and you go, man, that was good. That's satisfying. Like, I, I don't even think I'll need to eat, which is not a truthful statement, but we say, I don't think I'll need to eat for a year. Well, that's not true, but it, 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 it's an indication of how satisfying a good meal was. We all know what a bad meal is and we all know what a good meal is. We all know what good words are. And we all know what bad words are, right? Good words, wise words, Solomon writes. They're like a good meal. The right words bring what, church? They bring satisfaction. Choosing the right words brings satisfaction. We could actually substitute this word um, satisfaction for the word blessing. The right words bring blessing. The right words bring a blessing. But it's more than just about choosing the right words. Hear me out this morning. You need, to, you need to catch this. Like This is so important this morning. It's more than just about choosing the right words. It's also about delivery. Delivering the right words 
in the right way at the right time. I would encourage you this morning, because it's so easy to deliver the wrong words in the wrong way at the wrong time, which only creates a wrong world. I would argue with you this morning, till the cows come home, that the wrong words in the wrong way is always the wrong thing. But the right words in the wrong way at the wrong time, that's, that's wrong too. The right words in the right way at the right time is the right way. And what does Solomon say? It is so satisfying. It's like a good meal. It's a blessing. You see, sometimes what we're saying is very truthful. And what we're saying is very clear. It's a word from the Lord, and we're giving it to someone, and it's from God. But how we deliver it destroys any goodness that God wants us to share to that person. Are you tracking with me this morning? How you deliver the words is just as important as the words themselves. What would happen in our life if we intentionally and deliberately chose the right words of blessing? Think about it this morning. What would happen in your life if you deliberately and intentionally chose the right words? What would happen? What would happen in your home if you intentionally and deliberately chose the right words, delivered them in the right way? It would be a blessing, wouldn't it? Somebody from some, someone's family wants to say amen but doesn't dare to. What would happen at New Hope? I can't tell you how many times I've thought about this one. What would happen at New Hope if we intentionally and deliberately chose to say and deliver the right words? Wouldn't it be a blessing? Because I've seen the opposite. What would happen in our workplace and in our place of business if we intentionally and deliberately chose the right words, delivered the right way? Would it not be like a good meal? Would it not be satisfying? Would it not be a blessing? Imagine the domino effect if we chose words that blessed. Imagine. It'd be like a good meal. James expresses some very candid language and on the world of words, when he writes in James chapter 3, um, we're going to start at verse 3, go down to verse 10. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. Then he goes on to say this, and a small rudder makes a huge ship, ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. Then in verse 5, in the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. Amen? And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire. Yes, it can. For it is set on fire by hell itself. Want to stop there for a second? Or do you want me just to flip by that one? For it is set on fire by what church? By hell itself. goes on to say in verse 7, People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish. Verse 8, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil and full of deadly poison. And then in verse 9, sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. I just want to read that again for you to let it sink in like a good steak marinating. 
Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. Then he says this, and so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is what? This is not right. The tongue is small, but it is mighty and powerful. James said the tongue can produce a world of blessing and hope to you and to others, or it can create a world of havoc and destruction. James urges his readers to pick a side. He said either be a person who blesses or be a person who curses, but do not be a person who does both. Did you see that? But do not be a person who does both. This, James said, is not right. You cannot bless people and curse people all with the same tongue and the same mouth and the same lips. James was highlighting the inconsistency of our speech. He was saying, maybe on Sunday we praise God. We come to church and we say, this is good. I'm thankful for God. I'm going to praise God. And with God, with our, with our speech and our words, we sing praises to God and we lift up His holy name. But on the ride home, we tear into anybody who's in the car. James said, this is not right. Pick a side, he said. Don't be inconsistent in your speech. You either are speaking words of life, or you are speaking vile words of death. Don Bashman writes this candid thought about today's churches. He said, sometimes I think the whole Christian world is made up of just two groups, those who speak their faith and accomplish significant things for God, and those who criticize and malign the first group. I'm like, yeah, yes. Jesus repeatedly taught that inconsistency has no place in our spiritual walk not only did james say it but jesus said it which is even far more important than what james said though james words are very important jesus said this in matthew chapter 7 verse 21 he said not everyone who calls out to me lord lord will enter the kingdom of heaven so not everyone on that day of judgment who comes into my kingdom and says lord lord we're speaking words lord lord will enter in the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Then, Jesus goes on to say this in verse 22, on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not go around prophesying in your name, speaking words of life? Did we not go around and cast out demons in your name? Did we not go around and in your name, Lord, did we not free people from demonic forces that were in their life? That, that was a good thing. We were putting life into people's lives. And, and God, Jesus, did we not perform many miracles in your name where we went around speaking your name and people were healed from sickness? Life was given to them. Did we not speak these words? And this is what Jesus said in Matthew 7.23, but I will reply to you. Say the words with me. I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. There are a whole bunch of layers in this passage of Scripture. But here's what Jesus was saying, the same thing that James was saying that we saw in James chapter 3. Here's what Jesus is saying. There cannot be inconsistencies in your speech. There cannot be inconsistencies in your life. 
You cannot go around prophesying in my name and showing life and then going around and sowing seeds of destruction. You can't go around speaking words of hope and healing to people and then go around and speak curses and damnation to people. You cannot do that, Jesus said, because on that day when you say to me, did we not speak? Did we not say? Did we not do? Jesus said, I never knew you because your life and your words are so inconsistent. James said, pick a side. Either speak words of blessing or speak words of curses. But you cannot do both. It is not right. So I ask you this morning, are your words blessing people? Or are you cursing people? Maybe this morning you're, the words are hitting way too close to home and maybe you're sitting here going, Pastor, I have done both in my life. I have both blessed people and I have cursed people. If your words are inconsistent, be careful. Be careful, according to Jesus and James. I was attending an event. This person is not connected to New Hope in any way, but I was attending an event. This was quite a few years ago, well over 15 years ago. And this person had left their previous church because it was just, there was a lot of stuff happening. And this person was saying, sharing their hurt and their frustration, and I was trying to do the pastoral thing and say, you know what, I'm praying for you, and there's a brighter day coming, and hold on. And you know, I was just doing the pastor thing. But the conversation took a turn. And this is what this individual said to me. Pastor, I don't believe in gossiping. I was like, this is good, this is good, because neither do I. But let me tell you what exactly happened in my former church. And I was like, no, this is bad, this is bad. Both blessing and curse. I immediately knew the conversation was going in the wrong direction, and that I needed to get out of this conversation as quickly as I could because I didn't want to wallow in the mud of what was going on in the church that she was attending or he was attending. Did you know that the U.S. Navy spends $500 million a year scraping barnacles off of their Navy ships? That's a lot of money. Scraping little barnacles off the hulls of their Navy ships. Why would you spend $500 million removing barnacles that are so small off of the hull of your ships? Because barnacles can slow down a ship by as much as 40%. If you, if you don't take care of them, they will eventually slow the ship down to almost half of what is capable of going through the water. The, bar, the barnacles change the, I don't know if this is the right word, but the aerodynamics of the hull going through the water. It it adds restrictions so that the ship can't easily pass as it was designed to through the water. In fact, the Navy's found that barnacles can even get into the engine of some of their ships, which, are, which is absolutely catastrophic. And it requires a whole new engine for the vessel. So they spend $500 million a year. Maybe it's more now when, this, when I read this stat. This was a few years ago. They spend $500 million a year removing barnacles from the hulls of their Navy vessels. 
words do the same thing in our lives. James said it, a word seems so small. The tongue is so small compared to the rest of the body, but yet it is, if left unchecked, it will slow your life down, and even those vile words will get into the very spiritual life that you have within you, and it will be catastrophic for you if you just let them go, like the barnacles on a ship. Choose your words wisely, and make certain your words are creating a world of blessing in your life and the lives of other people. James was pretty clear with his with inconsistent words. Jesus was very clear with inconsistent words. Perhaps this morning you and Jesus need to have a little talk about the words that you've been using. Are they a blessing or are they a curse to others? Would you bow your heads, close your eyes? If you're watching online, I would encourage you to do the same this morning. I want to pray for you. The team will come and lead us in a closing song in just a second here. Isaiah the, the prophet had a, a vision and in this dream and in this vision God was saying you know the harvest is great but the workers are few who will I send and Isaiah the prophet is in this heavenly place with God and he's feeling so unworthy and do you know what he identifies as the most sinful part of his life his lips, his mouth. And God sends an angel to retrieve a coal from the fires of heaven, and that angel touches the lips of Isaiah. I feel like that's what some of us in this room and watching online this morning, we need. We need God to touch our lips and our tongue and our speech. We need to be purified, and we need to the Holy Spirit to guide and lead us so that we think before we speak, so that we're sharing words that are truthful and words that are encouraging and helpful to others. Words that build up our families and words that build up our church and words that, that build up the lives of those we work with and around us so that the light of Jesus Christ has an opportunity to shine by the power of His Holy Spirit through us into other people's lives. I can't help but think myself included, that I need a coal from God's heavenly altar to touch my lips and to touch my tongue and to touch my speech. Because then I'll be able to say, and you'll be able to say like Isaiah did, here am I, send me. If that is you this morning, I, with our eyes closed and our head bowed, same as you're doing at home this morning i'd encourage you to do the same as you're watching online i just want you to put your hand to your lips signifying lord touch my speech touch my tongue touch my words touch my lips with the holy fire that i may speak words that are truthful and life-giving words that you give to me by your holy spirit Lord, for those of us who have touched our lips, signifying we want you to touch us, I pray right now by the power of your Holy Spirit, you will touch us. That you will convict us of words that we have said that maybe perhaps we need to backtrack and eat those words 
go back to someone and give an apology or make some wrongs right. For others of us, it's just uh, it's a moment where we go, I'm more determined than ever to speak words that bring life and hope and encouragement to other people because words create worlds and sometimes we've created worlds that are so destructive just by making a statement or sharing a word. So Lord, as you touch our lips, we're here to say, here we are, send us. Send us with the power of your Holy Spirit. Send us to speak words of life to those who are around us. Help us to send us to speak words to those who are brokenhearted, those who feel unloved, those who feel like they, they don't even know why they're living anymore. That we would be able to speak your words, anointed by your Spirit, flowing through us. We pray this today in the name of Jesus, the one we love and serve. Amen.